Hi everyone, welcome to Midwife Monday. I hope everyone had a lovely day yesterday. Um, we welcomed two babies into the world, which was really super awesome. Um, so today we are going to talk about lip and tongue ties. This is just such a hot topic um, and we see it all the time. So people wonder what what is this thing? People hear about it. They hear about tongue-tied babies, lip-tied babies. Um, and we wonder, is it an overdiagnosed thing? Are we really seeing that many lip and tongue ties? And um, I can tell you, yes, we're seeing a ton of them. So let's just unravel what that is and how do we know it? What are we looking for? Um, how can you, as, they, as the breastfeeding person, how can you identify it? How can you suspect it? And why do they happen? So lip and tongue ties, the biggest issue is so a baby is born and we have a, it's called a frenulum. It's that muscle that holds the lip to the top of the gum line, right? Before your teeth come in, right? So it's the lip, it's that little muscle in the middle that attaches to the gum line. And the tongue frenulum is that muscle underneath your tongue that attaches the tongue to the base of the jaw. That's that muscle right down there in the middle. And so those two frenulums are formed in the first trimester of your pregnancy. We actually call them midline defects. So when a baby is growing inside of your body, it comes together midline first, right? The body comes together along this midline. That's why we have, we're symmetrical sort of, like we're, we're cut in half. So we have our noses and then we have this and we have this part and then we have our frenulums and then we have spacing between our breasts and we have labia and we have a septum through on the testicles and we have two legs and two arms, right? So midline, um, that's your midline. And so in that's being developed in the first trimester of your pregnancy. And sometimes the frenulums are too short or too tight when the baby is born and it inhibits the ability for the lip to flip up like a suction cup and an inability for the tongue to either extend all the way or have complete lateral, good lateral movement, or be able to completely lift and flatten against the roof of the mouth. So what we used to know about were anterior tongue ties, and that's when the frenulum underneath the tongue is attached really close to the tip of the tongue, and the baby couldn't extend the tongue, so they had short tongues, or heart-shaped tongues, or forked tongues, right? It's when that frenulum is right at the tip, and that baby cannot extend the tongue. And so the problem with that is when a baby goes to the breast, the baby's mouth opens really wide and the tongue comes out and it goes over the gum line and it creates a really good vacuum, like a suction cup. And the lips flip out and the tongue comes down and then the tongue can like undulate and the middle of the tongue will lift and that's sort of the action, right? It's this sort of waving action of the tongue. But a baby that is tied can't do a few things. If it's just an anterior tie, they can't extend. So their gum, their tongue can't come over their gum line. They can't do that. So what happens then is that the tongue stops before the gums and then you have this baby that's chewing at the breast and you have this really intense pain lots of damage in those first few days of breastfeeding, and it feels like the baby's biting, 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 biting. So if you were to put your finger in the baby's mouth, 
and assess the suck, you wouldn't feel the tongue pulling back. You would feel bite, bite, bite versus pull, pull, pull. So that indicates that there might be a tie. Um, and that's a really clear one. Like you see, as soon as the baby cries, Wah! and they lift up their tongue, you can see that frenulum right there in the front. That's easy peasy, no brainer. Probably a class, I think that's called a class one anterior tongue tie. Um, and then there are degrees of tongue tie that you may not see the tongue tie. You may not see that frenulum. And those are what we call our posterior tongue ties. Much, much harder to diagnose. Many um, providers are not skilled at identifying them, nor some people don't even believe that they exist, which is nonsense because they absolutely 100% do exist. Um, and they don't know how to take care of them. So if it's not something that we can see, we then say, well, it doesn't exist, even though the mother is complaining of pain during breastfeeding. And so let's talk about pain during breastfeeding. So breastfeeding, you hear all the time, should not be painful. Breastfeeding should not be painful. That's true, should not be painful. But what is reasonable to expect with a normal anatomy of the baby, a normal, right, not a tongue tie or a lip tie, baby can open really big, tongue can extend, good lateral movement, good lift, the lip flips up, it's all good. Um, what's normal to expect is those first few days, like the first 15 seconds to 30 seconds of the latch might be a little bit tender. Ooh, ooh, ooh it hurts when the baby goes on. And then it's, oh, okay, oh, that's better. Okay, that's normal, right? In those first maybe five to seven days of breastfeeding. There should not be any cracks, blisters, bleeding. There should be no damage to the nipples as long as the baby's getting on deeply. So we want to adjust the latch and make sure, are we having a problem with the baby latching improperly or do we have a tongue tie situation? So what you can normally expect is we want you to do that laid back nursing, right? So semi-reclined, the baby should hug you. So no more, you're gonna pitch all those breastfeeding pillows. So no more of this sitting up, boppy or breast friend or some other kind of breastfeeding pillow, football hold or cross cradle, leaning forward, no more of that, that position stuff. So we're reclining, the baby's laying down on you in a very relaxed state where it's wrists, ribs, knees and feet are touching your body, sort of like tummy time, right? So that baby can reach up while it's up against your body and reach into a sniffing position and get on deeply. So once we assess that this baby's position is okay and the pain is persistent, we're going to assess those frenulums. And we're sharing a link below here. It's called breastfeedingusa.org, I think is the name of it. Um, really, really, really great website. Um, yeah, breastfeedingusa.org. Really good information on there. So I encourage you all to go take, take a look at it. Um, there's also on Facebook, there are various groups, but there's like the California Lip and Tongue Tie group that can be a really good resource as well um, in helping you assess what's going on and helping you identify a provider that can release the lip and or the tongue. So we, let's go, let's, okay, so breastfeeding shouldn't be painful. Yes, it can be a little bit tender in the first week or so, but you shouldn't have any cracks, blisters, or bleeding, right? That's an indicator that something's not right. So you really want to work with an IBCLC, an International Board Certified Lactation Consultant. So I often will hear, I, I am an IBCLC. Um, so I will get phone calls from people that maybe didn't have their babies with us, but um, had a baby in another facility, a hospital or somewhere, were discharged 24 to 48 hours, and no one told them that there was any kind of problem, but just that the baby's latch was, um, you know, sometimes it hurts and you have to get used to it.
And then I see these babies and they've never been assessed. Nobody's ever assessed their lip and their tongue. So what we're looking for is we lift the tongue up, right? When we do this big lift of the tongue, that frenulum shouldn't flanch. And that, that muscle, it shouldn't go all the way to the gum line. And it shouldn't go under the gum line, right? That's a very severe lip tie. And if there's a lip tie, there is most likely, and I do believe whenever we see a lip, we know that there's a tongue. So you don't have one without the other. You could have a tongue tie without a lip tie, but not the vice versa. So the first thing we wanna do is assess, does that baby's tongue lift well? When we put our finger in the baby's mouth like that, does the tongue come out? And, or are we feeling, right? We don't wanna feel that baby's gum biting you. We wanna feel that tongue coming down. And if we don't feel that with an assessment, we are, we're gonna then lift up the, the tongue and see if this tongue has full lateral and lateral and, and lifting motion. And if it doesn't, we're gonna refer out. As IBCLCs, we don't do the release of the frenulums. We send to a variety of providers throughout the LA, Orange County, San Diego County area. And different people will do it, but you need a specialist. You need someone who is trained in releasing lip and tongue ties. Most pediatricians, I don't know any local pediatricians that do it. There is one pediatrician down in Torrance at Lighthouse Pediatrics that we refer to, Dr. Elias. She's lovely and does a wonderful job. There's an ENT out in Thousand Oaks. Um, so you might find it's either going to be a pediatric dentist, it's going to be a pediatrician, it's going to be a pediatric ENT. Those are the people that tend to do it, but they have to specialize in it. So if someone tells you that your baby does not have a lip or tongue tie, and they are not specialists, get a second opinion. Because often it is there and it will compromise your milk supply. It'll make breastfeeding very painful. We'll have a baby that gains weight very slowly. Um, and then we will ultimately have a very short-lived breastfeeding experience because it's really hard to tolerate cracks and blisters and bleeding and continue to put the baby to the breast. It's very painful. It's actually it's really disproportionate, the pain versus what it looks like. I mean, your nipple isn't that big. How bad could it possibly hurt, right? Oh, there's a little crack on it. How could that hurt so bad? Oh my gosh, the pain is through the roof. I had babies with ties, and I can tell you, I had cracked and blistered and bleeding nipples, and I breastfed my babies anyway, and I had recurrent bouts of mastitis throughout both of my breastfeeding experiences. Um, when I was having my children, we weren't releasing lip and tongue ties. We really didn't know a whole lot about them. We never even heard about a lip tie before. And um, so my kids were never assessed, nor were they ever released. And I went on to have successful breastfeeding experiences. You know, I breastfed for quite a long time and I never had a compromise in my milk supply. Um, but for the first two weeks, I was damaged and it was really painful. And then I had recurrent bouts of mastitis, like, I don't know, with my second kid, I probably had mastitis like eight to 10 times throughout my breastfeeding career. And I breastfed for a really long time, but nonetheless, I mean, I still kept getting mastitis. And mastitis is like the worst flu you've ever felt. And it's terrible. And it often has to do with the fact that the baby isn't what we call transferring the milk well. So when the baby gets on, if they can't empty the breast well, then you get plug ducts and then that progresses to mastitis. And now we have a really sick mama and who doesn't really want to breastfeed. So either you're going to push through it or you're going to get it released. So we recommend if you're having any discomfort, any damage to your nipples in the first week of life, 
of this baby's life, you must go see a specialist. And you really, really, really want it assessed. And no, we are not over-diagnosing it. So why do we see it so much now? Why didn't we really address it 20 years ago, 25 years ago, five years ago? So this is the theory. One is that um, back in the day before we had bottles or formula and we just were breastfeeding, um, those babies didn't thrive. So most likely those babies died um, or were fed in some other means, but they were generally failure to thrive because when a baby can't transfer the milk from the breast, they don't gain well. And unless you can feed this baby in another way, we're going to have a baby that does not grow. So we probably, those babies perhaps died. And so that gene wasn't passed on to the next generation. Um, there's something about um, folic acid. And so there is an understanding that those of us that carry the MTHFR gene deletion, it's this um, inability to absorb folic acid. Um, folic acid helps with those neural tube defects. That's why it's so important that pregnant women take a prenatal vitamin because it has 800 micrograms of folic acid. But what we're learning is that many of us, 25% of the population, cannot absorb folic acid. So we're seeing more of these midline defects because our nutrition is subpar. Our soil doesn't have a lot of folate in it. Our supplements aren't methylated folate in that prenatal vitamin. So your prenatal, when you're looking at it, if it says folic acid, it's not really what you want. You want methylfolate, even if, because we don't know if you have that MTHFR gene deletion, right? 25% of us do. So let's just assume you have it. And let's just get a methylfolate into your body in that first trimester or pre-pregnancy into that first trimester so we know that you're getting adequate amounts of folic acid. So an in, uh, insufficient amount of folic acid can cause more of those midline defects. So it can be that it's genetic. We know that it's genetic. We know that it's passed on from the mom and or the dad um, or the genetic parents, the genetic people. I'm trying to say that the right way. So. It's passed on through genes um, from either side. <laughs> so there's the genetic predisposition, there's uh, nutrition, and those are the big issues, right? So um, we are seeing it, we're seeing it all the time. We're seeing babies that, moms that said, oh, well, I never breastfed you, I just never make, made milk. Oh, it was so painful for me, I couldn't continue to breastfeed. Oh, you just, yeah, I was too damaged, so I never continued you weren't gaining weight, you, I never made the milk. Those are indicators that there was probably some anatomy issue going on and, and that when you were a baby, you probably have some anatomy and it was incompatible with your mom to, to breastfeed with, so um, you were given a bottle. And now you have a baby and you don't really want to give a bottle. And so we need to assess that lip and tongue, okay? So it's really, really important that your baby is assessed. If you're having problems in the first week of breastfeeding, don't blow it off as, oh, I have to toughen my nipples. Oh, my mother wasn't able to breastfeed. Oh, my sisters weren't able to breastfeed. Oh, it runs in my family that we don't make milk. Don't accept that. Um, get help. Go see a lactation consultant and we will do the assessment for you. We're trained in doing the assessment. And yes, we are seeing them all the time. And yes, they are problematic. And yes, they can be solved. Sometimes we send you in, you have that release, and it's like instant. You put that baby right to the breast, and instantly you're like, oh my gosh, it is so much better, I can't believe it. 
It is not always instant for some. Some that baby has to relearn how to suck and we are going to work with you and there's a wound. Yes, there is a wound and we that wound has to heal and the baby will cry when it has that procedure done. More because the baby's mouth is being stabilized and the tongue is being lifted is more what the crying is about than pain because they're given some numbing medicine and some specialists that do the release will do it with a laser or they'll do it with a blade and both are very, very good ways to do it. Each provider has their own reason for doing a laser or a blade. Um, Dr. Elias down in Torrance, she uses a blade and it's wonderful and the guy out in Thousand Oaks uses a laser and it's wonderful. So. I just defer to those providers and whichever they feel is best in their practice. I'm sure that they know what they're talking about. And we're getting great results from either a laser or a blade. So um, it really is important. It is something that you really do need to address. There's lots of resources out there, but don't just accept the fact that, oh, mama, breastfeeding hurts, because it shouldn't. You should not, not have continuous pain throughout your breastfeeding experience. Um, you should not have damage and we do need to feed the baby. So if you're struggling, sometimes that's where a nipple shield comes in. Like we just had a baby, that tongue was so tight, I immediately saw it as soon as the baby was born. The mother identified it as well. The baby was born about 7.30 in the morning. I was on the phone as soon as the doctor's office opened at 9 a.m. I wanted that baby seen immediately. I wanted that baby seen within four or five hours of the birth because it was a Friday. And I knew if that baby's tongue wasn't released, she was going to have a lot of pain and damage through the weekend. And um, indeed, that is what happened. We could not get her in. The provider was not available to see her on that Friday. Um, she was willing to leave the birth center and drive and go see that, that provider, but they were unable to see her that day, so they couldn't see her until Monday. When I did a visit with her on Saturday, it was 24 hours later, I did a visit on her and she had damage and she needed a shield. She needed something to put on so she can continue to feed her baby at the breast. And that was totally appropriate. So before you decide to use a nipple shield on your own, you do need to be assessed by a lactation consultant. Make sure it's an appropriate use of the shield. Make sure we have a plan of action to get you off the shield. Let's get that lip and tongue assessed so we can get you off that shield. So she did have the release and she's off the shield, right? She had the release on a Monday. I saw her, I think, Wednesday and she was off the shield and the baby is nursing and they're resolving those issues. So it's really something that can be done quickly. It can be done, um, it's super efficient and it's pretty much fairly easy to do. And it's better to do it earlier than later. Um, our wonderful midwife, Sarah, who worked here for a while, did, I'm sure she won't mind me sharing this. At 18 months old, she had the kids' lips and tongues released and that's rough, man. It's rough doing it at that age. They're very cognizant, obviously, of what's going on. They do not want anyone restraining their mouths. And they don't want you sticking your finger in there, helping do those exercises for the first few weeks after it's done. So I implore you, if there is a problem, be seen by a specialist. Get the release done as soon as possible. Let's not get into problems with mastitis and slow to gain. Now we're introducing formula and now we don't have a breastfeeding baby. Those things can be avoided. So um, it's a big topic here at the birth center. We assess here at our birth center. We assess the lip and the tongue at birth. We assess it at your home visit, at your 24 to 36 hour home visit. We assess it at your one week. And sometimes we don't always release it. If the mom is doing okay and the baby's doing okay, 
and there doesn't seem to be a problem, even though it's visible, but no one is complaining, then we don't necessarily release it. We're always going to see what's best for mom and baby. So um, if you have it, it doesn't mean it's an automatic release, but we want you to be aware of it. And um, we want you to know that we hear you. We hear you out there when you say, it hurts when I'm breastfeeding, but everyone says the latch is fine. It must be me and I must just be sensitive. We hear you and we want you seen and we want to help you solve that problem because breastfeeding should be a positive experience for you. Um, so that's my two cents on that lip and tongue tie. They are, there are so many resources out there. Feel free to give us a call at the office. You can email us. You can um, comment below. Did your baby have a tie? Did you have it released? Did you muscle through it? What did you do that was helpful if your baby had a lip and tongue tie? Were you told your baby didn't have a lip and tongue tie and then to find out three years later they actually did? I mean, please chime in and let's have some conversation and let's support one another in this breastfeeding experience because it's challenging. And um, we want you guys to have the best experiences possible. So we would love to hear your comments. We'd love to hear about how you addressed it and who your go-to provider was by having it released. Was it a positive experience? So we'd like to hear your comments and um, follow us on Instagram. And um, that's it. Have a great day and we'll see you next week.